Osiris. Welcome to the Saint Disruption Podcast, where brilliant musicians, poets, and visionaries come together to share their creative collaborations and explore what it means to be human in these times. Randy Granger. So welcome. Um, you know, one of the things I find most intriguing and that I appreciate most about your work, Randy, is that you are a living bridge between medicine and art. And I'd like to hear a little bit about how you came to do music and poetry and and the way that you teach. How did you come to have this natural bridge between medicine and 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 music and art? I think for myself, it's always been a matter of bridging what the ancestors have already put within me. It's their wisdom. It's their sacrifice. It's their resilience, their persistence. You know, I always think that's why I'm here. When I go back and look at how many decisions were made, how many sacrifices, how many choices were made so that I, me, Randy, could be here today as a musician, as a teacher, as a healer, I'm not alone. And I always feel that my ancestors' uh, hands are on my shoulders. They're always saying, this way, mijo, this way, child, or this way, even when I make the wrong choices, I still feel kind of supported and guided. So it's it's not that it's natural, but it's definitely a when you plant a seed, you don't have to tell it what to do. Even though we may we may put labels, I want you to be a delicious tomato. The 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 seed knows where to go. The seed knows where to find the light. The seed has that innate wisdom within them to know how to break through the soil when it's time to blossom, when it's time to bloom, when it's time to fruit when it's time to die, to leave there. And I definitely feel that there's a seed within me, but it's within everyone. It's just that um, I, I think my choice in this lifetime is learning through pain, <laughs> you know, because we either learn through books or we learn through, you know, pain or we learn through wisdom. And so it's that appreciation and that sense of hum- of humility that is my fertilizer, that that, that is my nurturing ground that allows me to be able to to go forth and to bring that music to to other people and to bring what I do as a spiritual teacher as a minister and I try not to strive you know for anything more than I'm than I'm than I'm not but I'm always willing to grow and I think being here at this festival is definitely part of that growth choice and I'm just so humbled to be able to be included we thank you brother for being with us I love this truism that the seed knows and I'm curious, you know, in your earliest days, um, was the topic of, of walking the life of medicine, was that something that was part of your your daily life and your your parents' teachings, your elders' teachings, your community's teachings? Or did this this knowing about what you were going to do and what medicine was, did that come from an inner place? Tell me a little bit about those early days. My nickname as a child, my mother used to call me Pen- Pensivo. What pensivo means is one who is pensive, you know, and so I was a little pensitivo, you know, the little one who's... So my, my mom also told me, she said, Randy, you were born an adult. You were born a grown-up. I had no idea what to do with you. And I, and I, she, she told me that in later years. And when I was a child, I would see the, the spirits from the other side. I brought them with me, or I, or at least the, the, the veil was really thin. No one knew about that. I would tell and I would say, listen, I'm, I'm seeing these creatures everywhere. They're, they're coming. They're talking to me. They're trying to get me in. They're talking to me and telling me things. 
and people would say, you know, um, we don't know what you're talking about. You have a good imagination, as they used to tell, tell us kids back then. But it turns out in later years, in my culture of the Choltan people, which was a subset of the Mayan people, when a child had those visions, that meant they were to be on the path to medicine, be on the path to a shaman. And so I learned that in later years. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't until much later that, that I did learn that I did have that um, those voices, that wisdom, that ancient wisdom that was still talking to me. And so it's been a, a lifetime of trying to rediscover who those voices were. Just like I think children, when we're first born, we remember other lifetimes, other experiences, and then we forget that. Our, our eyes become occluded, you mm-hmm. know. So my lifetime has been trying to Un- unveil and toil the earth and rediscover what am I here for? What is my best medicine that I'm here for this time? Not only for myself, but really uh, mine is a lifetime of service, uh, a service through my music and my volunteer and, and through my hospice work and through all the you know various ways that I've given back to this to this world. And I think some of us, that's what we're here for. Some of us are, are, are here for other things and there's no any kind of judgment. So definitely it's been a rediscovering of that innate wisdom. So this is a song to honor the ghost dancers. It's a great tragedy of our time, isn't it, that that when children begin to express in so many different ways their deep connection with the unseen, it tends to be suppressed or marginalized and sometimes tragically pathologized. We don't have a coherent fabric in our culture that helps people understand that, that this way of seeing, this way of being is actually a gift and can be cultivated 
for healing, for practical purposes to make the world a better place. I'm curious, it's clear to me that you um, have lived a life of cultivating a deep connection with spirit. How does that show up in your creative process? Well, um, first I want to address what, what you're talking about it being, you know, tragic. I don't look at things that way. I, I think the way I look at it is when you slice a tree, when you take a circle out of out of a tree, you look at the rings on the tree. Some of them are, are wide apart. Some of them are lush. Others are real skinny together. I think humans, our species, is going through the exact same evolution. We have places where uh, there's not enough spirituality, where there's a great hunger, where there's a great need and a great thirst. And that shows up in our culture, just like in a tree ring, too. Now, the way that I cultivate it is I am in nature. I, I live in the Chihuahuan Desert down in southern New Mexico, southwestern New Mexico. There's not a day when I'm home that goes by that I don't go out there and listen. I, I do what's called a uh, nature bath. You know, you, 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 you be really still and you start to notice every sense. What am I smelling? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I touching? And then you go into your feet and go into the earth and center yourself. And I, I imagine the roots going down to the very, very core and then only from that center place can I develop more, just like a tree needs some strong roots. Um, so do we, and so do I. So the way I cultivate it is I, um, I meditate and I pray every single day. I visualize, I talk, talk to the plants, talk to the birds who live in my backyard, except for the doves. There's a little too, too many of those. <laughs> I have a lot of fun with them. And I have, uh, have turtles. I have five turtles that have found their home in my backyard. They've just shown up at my front door. And so I've invited them all in. And watching them gives me such an education as to how to live life and, and how to be. They're so unconcerned with what's being presented to them as far as the news cycle goes, you know, <laughs> or as far as Facebook or as far as social media. They are in the moment. They are in their shell. They're in the moment. They 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 get some water. They they check each other out. They may fight a little bit, and and then they move on. And so I, I really use the example of nature um, because nature we we are nature. We are of this earth. You know the 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 skin, the blood, and bones. It's it's from the soil and from the water where I live. Everything that I eat and everything that I drink. It it makes up who I am physically. So I really see that my body is just a shell, like the turtle shell too. And you have to bring that light out. You have to cultivate that light. And the way you do it, you share it with other people. You know, when you meet somebody and you have that recognition and you go, oh, wait a minute. I, I For some reason, I feel like I know you. Well, of course, you know you. We're indestructible. We are light. We are forever light. Indestructible. We, we Infinitesimal. We can't be destroyed. We can't be created. We're just these beautiful beings going from flower to flower and going, okay, you know, what can I get out of this particular lifetime and, and how can I share it with the next flower? And that's, that's really not a supposition. It's really how I, I like to view life instead of saying, okay, what's on social media? You know, I want to act in life. I don't want to react to life. I, I want to act in, in life. So that's definitely what the way I try to live and cultivate my sense of spirituality, my sense of music, and being a creative person. Well, this comment that we are separated from nature, we, we believe that we're separate from nature, is a, a very ripe and alive theme for me. And I'm curious, um, as an artist, how do you, how, do you work intentionally to help people perhaps challenge that narrative of separation? How does it, how does it work in your creative 
life because as medicine people we know that we are part of nature that we belong to the great the great mother and that um it is a blessing to be nourished and by her and to have this existence you know how do we without preaching how do we how do we remind people of that very comforting truth well first we have to change the language we can't challenge anybody um that's not our place mm -hmm. our only place is to challenge ourselves just like the when the ca uh, caterpillar goes into the chrysalis it liquefies and it has these couple of imaginal cells that are waiting to be recognized once again so it's a self-transformation mother Teresa, she was invited all the time to all of these um anti-war rallies these protest rallies and they said why don't you ever come to an anti-war rally she says when you have a pro-peace rally call me you know then i'll come and i feel the same way i can only be an example i i can only be that one light in that darkened room that little candle light that other people are curious about and come to me that's all i know how to do um it's, it's not my job to change the world or, or to change anyone else definitely but to change myself by being authentic by being vulnerable by being an example of somebody who gives service without anything you know, needing any, anything back, I hope that that inspires people. That's beautiful. You know, in, in the in the um, Andes, among the Andean peoples, this is like many other first peoples around the world. This is considered a time of prophecy, and one of the one of the success marks for moving successfully through this time is that is that these oppositional ways of seeing the world, the things that actually create the impulse towards activism will be obsolete, that there will no longer be this inherent discord between opposite expressions of things that we perceive in the world. Is this, let's talk a little bit about prophecy. Is this, mm -hmm. is this part of the, the prophecy of your, of your bloodlines? Absolutely. Um, the, 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 there's a prophecy of reawakening because we've been asleep we really have for for some time and it's easy to still be asleep you know we have people who are doom scrolling on social media what's that about don't doom scroll walk outside walk outside look at a look at the way a, a bee works on it in a flower have you ever watched a bumblebee fly they shouldn't be able to fly they're so huge consider you next next to their wing size when you look at these moths that keep eating my kale in my backyard i, I try to catch them i can't they have a flight pattern that doesn't make any sense to any pilot or any drone pilot could never copy what a, you know the way a caterpillar flies so to to come out of that dream state you know i was i was talking to a really good friend last night and he was saying that it's the downtime that gives him trouble when he when he stops doing something then he gets restless and doesn't know how to be well the problem is we 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 are human beings, so we need to practice more of being. How do you be? You be present with somebody. You be as present as you can. You put your phone away. You put your phone down. You look at them in, in the eye. And by doing that, there's that recognition. And I, I think that's... We, we can't fix problems across the world or even across the street, for that matter. We fix ourselves first. That's what I think is part of that awakening from this great... Sueño, this great dream that, that we're living in. You know, I like to think that we, me and you, and everyone else involved in this festival, everyone on, on planet Earth right now, that we are the best dreams of our ancestors that they didn't know that they had. Mm 
consequently, that were the memories of our descendants that are that are yet to come too. So how do we dream? You know, there's this, the uh, Sioux way of being is to, every decision you make in the community is with a seventh generation out in, in, in mind. We have to dream that too. We have to be a little less selfish, a little less self-involved, a little less narcissistic with our duck lips and our inner selfies and think, what am I leaving today? What tree am I going to, literally a, a tree, do I want to plant so that my grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren can come to it and say, Papa, Mama planted this. And there's that, that connection. We are trying to figure out how to fix things from the outside. Guess what? Change is an inside job. It is. It is. One of my dear friends and teachers says, in every single moment, we're either in service or we're not. Love it. And there's no in between. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. Just showing up for life. And, and you know, part of the, the reductionist, materialist paradigm that we uh, find ourselves navigating right now tells us falsely that to be quiet, to go inward, to do our inner work somehow has less impact than doing something on the outside. And this is, I think, one of the great things that characterizes the transformation that's upon us is for us to all start to remember that that's actually not the case, that the vastness of the inner world, the coherence that we can achieve internally through doing our own work, through visualizing the world as possible, that radiates out in ways that we can't even imagine to see right now because we're not entrained to see and feel and understand that at this point. That's an interesting word choice that, that you used, um, entrained. Entrainment is also part of sound healing. Mm. When, like if you have a guitar on one side of the room and you pluck a string, the guitar on the other side of the room is also going to vibrate. That's entrainment. There's a Hopi story, a, a creation story that, that says a grandmother spider, she created these two twin beings to create the earth because Sang Tuknang had, had asked her to do so. He said, there's no movement on this beautiful world we created. There's no sound. So she sent one of the uh, twins down to the uh, south and he created oceans and uh, mountains and plates that, that shift. And then one, the other twin, she said, go up to the, north. So he went to the north and he sang into the axis of the earth. There were seven axes and he sang. When he did that, he created the song of creation that resonated all across the universe. And then it came back. The universe said, I like that. And that, that the earth is an actual, an acoustic sounding, vibrating instrument of sound. So that's how he, you know, made it. So that, that whole sense of, of entrainment, when we become authentic when we become of service in some way and even the word service freaks a lot of people out oh i'm not going to serve anybody it's not that it's it's serving when like when you praise something when you serve something you're serving yourself so it's that entrainment that goes back and forth and it becomes this harmony that resonates uh, throughout the entire cosmos and through life we're 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 here to be joyful to be happy to be of service to be loving we're the only species that says i love you Think about that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. This is such a great segue into the deep dive of sound. And resonance wouldn't happen if there weren't vibrations transmitted from one place in space to another. What I find so exciting about your instrument of choice is that from the perspective of vibration, the signature that comes out of the flute is a, is, is a 
combination of sine wave and sine wave overtones. And those same sine waves are the, are the vibrational signature of the very structure of matter. Vibrational medicine is so fascinating. And, you know, we know from Western science that, that audible sound waves affect the way enzymes function. We know that audible sound waves affect our neural and brainwave and states of consciousness. Um, it's pretty exciting to think about the future of medicine being more about sound and vibration and light than synthetic chemicals. It seems like I've come across more recent research where um, more physicians and practitioners are using sound to break up tumors, sound to break up um, bone spurs, and that that certainly would would make sense to me. Well, sound is everywhere. Um, there's been some recordings lately of when they they recorded out in deep space, and the note that they found out that it was guess what? Well, it's it's inaudible to us, so they had to bring it up. It was a B flat. B flat, C you know, C sharp. Yeah. If you go in any stairwell and you sing any note into the stairwell, it'll come back to you as a B flat. Oh, it's the sound, the note of the cosmos. When the astronauts were in space, they were getting headaches and they were getting motion sickness. So they found out that they needed that 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 eight that eight kilohertz resonance. So they 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 hooked up this oscillator, beamed it up into space. The astronauts felt better. Tesla figured out a long long time ago that lightning strikes. It's also an eight kilohertz. Uh, you know that we we can't. But but that's the note of of the Earth. If you think about it, we're all in motion. Motion makes sound. It's like you were talking about. It's vibration. It's all vibration is what it is. Um, sound, you know, matter is vibration. Molecules, like if you look at a like if you look at a stone or a bookcase, we can't see them all moving, but but they certainly are are moving. In my music, with my um, with my uh, Native American flutes and the flutes that I use when when I'm in hospice playing for them. And when they have their door closed uh, because they're they're near their end, what I what I do is I um is I Im I imagine the notes from my flute going through the doorways, going underneath the doorways, going through that wood, and healing them, and it works. So, Randy, I was, I think I mentioned to you that I was very fortunate to sit for years um, at the feet of a, of a remarkable elder, um, Jacqueline Redleaf. She was a Cherokee elder. She adopted me as a spiritual grandson. And she always reminded me of this really important teaching about sound. She said, for every moment, especially in ceremony, there's a pulse, there's a rhythm, and there's a song. And if only you can find that pulse and that rhythm and that song, the gateways to the healing intelligence open up. And every time I listen to your music, brother, I feel like you have a lot of insight 
how to open those doors. Talk to us a little bit about how you find in the moment, in, in these places of emptying out, how you find that pulse, that rhythm, and that song that's ready for you to just pull through. Well, thank you for that. And <clears throat> I guess I'll start that by saying the first, when, when we become these little creatures inside of the womb, the first thing we experience is sound. We hear that 72 beat per minute rhythm of our mother's heartbeat. We hear the sloshing of the different sounds. We hear the digestive sounds. We hear the blood coursing through the veins. We hear breath coming in and out. We're sound creatures. You know, the last sense to go when someone passes is sound. We come into this world craving sound. We leave this world listening to someone saying, I love you, probably, when we're going. With my own experience as a musician, uh, it's about space. <laughs> it's about that note between spaces. It's about that note between breaths. And a lot of my listeners tell me, they say, you know, when I listen to your music, I listen through my headphones because I can hear you breathe in between your notes. I keep my breaths in there purposely to bring you with me, to bring you with me. So it's all about creating space, about creating openness and uh, allowing any clutter that might be there to just to, 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 to go on stage and just play a solo flute. You know, that sounds like a pretty scary thing, but for me, it's the most natural thing in, in just to be able to, to make that sound because I, I can tell that it is transporting people with me to a place that I've been to only maybe in my spirit, only in my sound, or maybe it's been those deserts that I, that I hike, those canyons in the desert and that stillness where you just hear the little sounds of a jackrabbit running by. So it's, 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 it's about spaciousness. And of course, it's not me doing it. It's, I'm, I'm the instrument, just like me blowing my breath through my flute. Creator, whatever spirit, whatever source is playing through me, I, I really believe that uh, music chooses the artist. The uh, songs choose the artist. So we are receptacles and we are tools. And I really feel that I'm just one of those tools. You know... Breath is so interesting and so significant in, in our experience. Um, it's one of the things that we do unconsciously, but yet can harness with consciousness for particular outcomes. And uh, I think about the, the very ancient teaching from the Upanishads. Consciousness is like a kite, breath the string that guides it. And, you know, it's one thing mm. playing a guitar on stage and another thing playing a flute on stage, because it seems to me, even though I don't play flute, witnessing your work and other, um, especially sacred flute players, is that it starts with the breath. You know, uh, 
when I go into the studio, when I know that I'll be working on the day, I, I purposely don't have caffeine for about three days. The reason is because when you're that close to the microphone playing a flute, the microphone can pick up your heartbeat. You can actually hear, you can hear a little rhythm there. So what I purposely do is try to make my breath as pure as possible because that's where the, that's why I think that, that the flute is so, has such effect on people so close to the human voice. We can hear the breath, much like a viola, which I think is really close to the to the human voice too. But there's something about the flute that that just uh, you you can feel that breath in there. Well, in a lot of um, native traditions, it's sort of believed that breath is a transmitter of 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 prayer, of medicine, of intention. Unlike other vehicles, it has a very special, potent quality. Is that is that something that's shared in your cosmology? Um. Maybe, but I think where I really figured it out was uh, I, I have been with so many people at their last breath uh, mm. during, with my hospice work and, and other people that I've been a caregiver for. And I have seen that last breath and all of a sudden there's a body there that's unanimated. Mm. And guess what was keeping it animated? Well, who knows? You know, some people say, well, it's just a, a chemical reaction and blah, blah, blah. But there's no breath there anymore. And so that, for, for me, that was the biggest thing to watch people, that breath just leave. But it's like you can hear music whenever someone passes. And I, I, I think it's, it's that breath, which is uh, the note that is belonging to that great symphony of creation, that, that breath goes back. It's like, oh, we have our oboe player back, you know, or we have our flute player back or whatever. And it's rejoicing. Yeah, and I've heard other people who who who, who, who uh, work in hospice say the same thing that they can hear music. I would love to just explore that more. But so, but you know, breath—that moment in between breaths—is just you know, um, hikers talk about the way that they keep hiking those really high mountains is that pause between steps. I think it's the same thing. That pause between breaths—that's where we really live, or that's where we die. I mean, that's powerful just it's to powerful. meditate on that alone <laughs> so to to wrap it up i just wanted to take a second and and ask a couple of questions that are starting to as i mentioned the other night starting to form a, a, a through line between our different episodes the first question i have for you brother is are you hopeful about what's ahead for you as an individual, but also us as a as as a collective um, consciousness on this planet. Are you hopeful? What's the opposite of hopeful? Do you think? I would. I would. In my experience, it's it's despair, stasis, and despair. You know, for me, hope has a movement. It's it, it has a destination that that is. Yeah, it's it's about movement. I think for myself, the the opposite of hopefulness is cynicism. Mm. Cynicism blocks. It blocks. It blocks your mind from and your soul from imagining anything else. So, you ask me, am I hopeful? I choose to be hopeful. I really do. I I choose in any moment to be hopeful. Like when I was flying here the other day on three three different planes, I was hopeful that I was going to make my connection. I was doubtful, but I was also hopeful that I would make my connection on time. Hopeful is a choice. I think we have to be hopeful, not for just ourselves, but we have to be hopeful for the generations to come. That's where we need to place our hope. 
what are they going to be choosing? What are they going to be living? And, and, and we can't add to it that cynicism. Oh, we will already ruin the planet. It's too late. No, we haven't. There is still ways to save it and to be hopeful, but to be hopeful about them, not just about, am I going to win the lottery? Am I going to uh, experience this or experience that? So for, for me, it's a common theme throughout my life. When I planted my tomato seeds and, you know, basil seeds or, or earlier this spring, I was hopeful. I thought I'm going to enjoy those tomatoes that I could visualize me enjoying, enjoying a caprese salad on my back patio. For me, that's enough hopefulness. That's all that I can offer. That's beautiful, brother. Well, let's go back to the seed. Let's go back to your early, early days, your formative days. Um, I, I'm really interested to know, is there something that a teacher, a parent, an adult, a guide that you might have had when you were young, was there something that, that if was spoken to you would have made your path a lot easier? Was there something that you know now that was unspoken that would have really made the difference for you in your emergence as a truth teller? That's a great question. I think we should ask that every single day of, of ourselves. And especially if you are a parent or, you know, of, of whatever variation that that is, I think what would have been most helpful for me to hear and what I would like to, you know, I, um, I taught guitar and I taught drum for many, many years to really young, young students through the Yamaha School of Music and through private lessons. And I think what would have been helpful for me to tell them and for me to hear is never be concerned with what anyone says or thinks about you. Never. You're a child of God. Who are you not to shine, you know, to misquote Miriam Williamson, you know, um, but uh, you're put here for a purpose and a reason. Not a grandiose one, maybe. Maybe it's a small one, but you're put here for a reason. So never stray from your inner voice, from your intuition, from that ancient voice of the collection of you know, 200,000 years of your ancestors that sacrifice, you're the dream of your ancestors. They put something in you to make you be able to have all the tools and wisdom and knowledge and intelligence to be absolutely the best thing this world has ever experienced. You are the best idea that they ever had. That's beautiful wisdom, brother. What a great way to end this really lively conversation. I can't thank you enough for taking time to enter into this deep dialogue with us and and really sink into some very, very juicy topics. And uh, it's been wonderful getting to know you. And thank you so much for being with us today on our podcast. It's my honor to be here, and I could not be more joyful about it. Blessings, Randy. It is at this time that we turn the interview over to Jake Mossman, one of Randy's longtime friends and collaborators, for some more dialogue and musical creations. Well, Randy, welcome to Asheville. Thank you, Jake. I um, I have to say that, you know, if we go back, I don't know when I first met you, but it must have been 15, could it be 15, 20 years ago? Gosh, I don't remember. So, it. Somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20, I would say. Yeah, you, you seem like a cousin to me, you know, yeah. so it's like a, we've always known each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's weird looking back now because like, I never would have guessed I was, um, I was thinking about this the other day that I, I think I remember when I met you, I think my neighbor behind me was having a party and you were playing there. And 
and there's, I had heard your name before and stuff. And, and then like, that's just like a moment in my mind. And had we known that like almost 20 years later, we'd be sitting here getting ready to play together at Leaf. Like it would have blown my mind. Like I never, first of all, would have imagined that I'd be living in Asheville. Right. But, um, I hardly think it's a coincidence. You know, I think that those, like you were talking about earlier, there are seeds that get planted and they just take a long time to grow. And the deja vu of it is happening, you know? So here we are in the deja vu. Like, what do you think about that? It was a yeah. real, it was a real kinship. And I, I, I just, I was, I couldn't believe how good you were on the guitar and how, how you were in Las Cruces. You oh, know, likewise. Thank you for saying it that. It kind of shocked me. I thought, what, <laughs> what are you doing here? But well, clearly we, we both are rooted and embedded in New Mexico where we live, the land of enchantment, you yeah. know, the land of enchiladas, as we said yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's strange because I'm starting to notice this highway of people between New Mexico and Asheville. It's like you become, really? you become the highway for your acquaintances. And yeah, so there's like this movement of people. And of course I noticed that because that's where I'm from. Right. So it's, and now there's like an artistic traffic that's going between the Southwest um, it's just interesting that like, there's this New Mexican theme that's running here. You know, uh, um, there's this festival festival where I played down in uh, Melbourne, Florida, every November called Native Rhythms Festival. And four of the artists are New Mexico based. That and, is interesting. And we, we drive all the way out there to Florida. Uh, so there is clearly something that is some kinship mm. be, between the, I'd like to think it has something to do with the the uh, geography here, you know, the, the the whole topography of this incredibly beautiful and powerful. You can feel it when you drive in here that yep. the the aliveness of the mountains, the the spirits of the mountains. And when you're in New Mexico, you have that unobstructed 360 degree view of, of everything. And you can look at the mountains and the valleys and you can tell how old they are. You could just look at them, you know, so yep. there's that that openness and, and that spaciousness and you come out here and everything's covered up, but you can still feel yeah. it. So, you know, maybe it's, it's the land that's drawing us or that creativity. I really don't know. I think it's both because I think that this land is drawing creative people and the same thing happens in New Mexico. They go for that other type of beauty. It's like a sister beauty. Yep. And I mean, I know people from here that are moving to New Mexico as well. I think really? it goes both ways. Yeah. Wow. That, that beautiful, it just depends on what you've had enough of to drink and now you want right. to taste the other wine, you know? Yeah. Or, or if you've had some really good barbecue or some good green chili. You know? Exactly. How can we combine those? <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, speaking to why we met and why we make art together is because, um, at least this, the, the, the notion of service, service to sound, service to vibration plays well with me as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I dig deep and hard for that moment of yeah, being clear. at service to that communal vibration. It's something that I've always, I've always looked forward to. And it makes it worth every day that I sit down to practice and play scales and practice technique. It's so that someday, perhaps when, when that moment arises, that I can be of better service mm -hmm. to art with people. And in that sound, some kind of communication happens and we tap into some type of idea together. That's so interesting. And we hold it up together and we hold up an idea. Somebody maybe kicks it off, but somebody else takes the ball. 
And so you're you're saying all of that dedication is so that you can be a better conduit, be of better service when you do get to present yes, that music and exactly. share it. I feel the same way. That's why I practice as much as I do and rehearse and, and play. And uh, some days I don't feel like it. Some days I'm tired, but you have to do yeah. it. It's 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 like, you know, it's kind of like we as creative people, like we've been given this spigot, you know, and, and, and if you stop being creative, you're going to either go crazy or do like some of the other artists have had that have, have, have done go, go to, you know, drugs or something. Right. But we have to keep it open. It's our responsibility. I, I really feel that way. There's a, you know, sacredness. It's like there's a responsibility. Do you ever get that sense? I do. Yeah. Especially in, in the notion of accompaniment, you know, ah. it, there's a responsibility in being a soloist as well, like yeah. a huge responsibility. It's a, it's a burden to carry in a way to prepare and hold and convey solo material. Yeah. Um, but it would be a mistake to think that accompaniment is any less oh, no. electric. You know, oh, the yeah. accompaniment of people and of other musicians is an extremely electric moment um, and sometimes leaves me breathless, you know, yeah. in, in well, the way that... I think it's the, you know, difference, the difference between sleeping on, on, on stones and sleeping on a mattress, you know. To have a great accompanist, you're really allowed a sense of freedom, and mm -hmm. you and you feel very supported and very held. And right. You've always been great about that too, but at the same time, you you are your own artist, and and I've heard you play solo, and I've heard your solo music, and you know it, your your generosity and your you know the time you put into it really comes across. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, oh no, it it really does, mm -hmm. and uh, you know my hope for you is you can do more of that and support you in whatever ways that you need that that support you know thank you that's yeah. a that's a great uh, blessing to receive absolutely appreciate that yeah so well um should we give it a try on some music sure you want right. to yeah i'll grab a guitar and see what happens Porque no me ven llorar 
Hay muertos que no hacen ruido ni orona, y es más grande su pena. Hay muertos que no hacen ruido ni orona, y es más grande su pena.
gracias. Buenas noches. Thank you so much. The Saint Disruption Podcast. Recorded and mixed by Hamilton Media Design at Sidehouse Records. You can also find more creative collaborations on all our major streaming platforms. Visit our YouTube channel for more creative content and video episodes of our podcast. Osiris.